from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wow Report. I'm Fender Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by James St. James, editor of the Wow Report, Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer, and I'm excited, our very special guest, just fresh off a second stint hosting Wendy Williams. That's right, the Wendy Williams show with Leah Remini. Oh my gosh, what an amazing stunt that was. It's Michelle Visage, squirrel friend. Hi! And of course, not the reason, but one of the most fabulous reasons you're here today is we're celebrating you and your documentary, Explant, which just dropped today. So, Michelle, you are number 10s across the board. Number 10. Yay! Oh, it's so exciting. Um, You know, this is a long time in the making. Thank God for World of Wonder listening to me and believing in me and wanting to take a chance on it because breast implant illness is something that a lot of doctors uh, still don't believe is real. So when I came to you, you guys had open ears and an open heart. And the more we dug into it with Jeremy Simmons, our incredible director, um, he was calling me and texting me and going, oh my God, oh my God. Like every day his mind was getting blown more and more by um, the lies and the deception and the untruths that we have been fed about breast implants and breast implant illness over the years. So it's been three years in the making, but here we are. Without giving the whole plot away, can I ask you some questions about your your breast implant and explant journey? Sure. When did you first get your breasts enhanced? Well, I was in 19, a year very long ago called 1989. Uh, yes. Um, it was either 89 or 1990. One of the I was in seduction. Um, so your I, breast implants were as old as Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh, I think they might. Yeah, yeah, the first set. Um, so I got them done all the way back then um, for a multitude of reasons, but mostly because I was told my whole life that I wasn't woman enough or feminine enough or sexy enough. So yes, I got them for me because I felt that way about myself and I didn't do it for anybody else, but it was because of the way that I was told and treated that made me feel that I needed to get them. So. But you loved you loved your you loved your boobs for for a well, long time. Yes. Yes. But when did they start causing you pain, and when did you start realizing that they weren't maybe not worth? Um, looking back, they probably started not probably. I was having health issues when the first within the first year. I was having heart palpitations, and uh, my gynecologist sent me for uh, like an echocardiogram and a heart workup, and I was so young, and there was no ill heart health in the family, no issues, no autoimmune issues, none of that stuff. So, of course, I was told, well, you should start meditating or um, maybe have a glass of wine at night. It was like, A, I don't drink. B, this is a physical manifestation. I'm not making this up. And it was an anxiety at that time. Um, that came later. So, um, it started within a year, but of course to, to cut to the chase of that question, 30 years, a multitude, let's say 30 doctors, not one of them, not one said, you know what, maybe this could be a breast implant. Well, they wouldn't want to, would they? Cause it's the number one cosmetic procedure in the world. I was so shocked about that. 
Correct. It used to be liposuction for many, many years. And then it, breast implants took over some years ago. But I had even said as a layperson doing all this research before there was a Google, I would say, if I have an autoimmune condition, right, and it doesn't run in my family, nobody's ever had Hashimoto's and it is a genetic thing. Um, I just find it really odd that the one thing that my body's trying to fight are my breast implants because that's the invader that's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even then they're like, well, the FDA says they're innocuous. So we, we believe them. And here's the studies. And it's like, but guys, I'm not even a scientist and this makes sense. It just makes sense. So what were the symptoms that you noticed? Was it localized pain around the breast or what what or is it a fatigue? Is it a what what is it? Zero pain. It presents differently on everybody. Some women do have breast pain. For me, it was a a culmination. Like it started growing. It started with the heart palpitations. Then it went mm-hmm. to extreme hair loss, which then went to Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition, uh, brain fog, dry skin, weight gain. When I tell you I would eat nothing and still be gaining weight, I'd like to say that's my excuse now, but um, <laughs> um, uh, extreme fatigue, like to the point where like chronic fatigue and Epstein-Barr, they all play a part in this storyline connected to breast implant illness. Um, it, it the, the list is it's a litany. It just goes on and on. And the more I think about it, like anxiety, panic attacks, all of that stuff is all connected to breast implant illness. And before you even ask if it's saline is any better, it's not about the filling. It's about the shell. The casing of the implant is the toxin. It's got 40 plus toxins in it and it won't happen to everybody, but we do deserve transparency to at least know that it is a possibility, including cancer. I have a really important question I want to ask for myself and on behalf of all Drag Race fans. Since you've had your breast uh, implants removed, can you tolerate the color green any better? (laughs) (laughs) I could tolerate it better. Weirdly, the implants came out. I started wearing green. I know, Tom, she's in a green Enveron. Her cushions on her sofa are green. (laughs) It's just a horrible light. They're white. Your glasses are green. Everything's green. They're not. They're beige, Benjen. So, so just put yeah, I see colors. gray. We're all seeing different colors here. I see oh my gray. God, I'm like the blue and black dress. <laughs> I see Merle Ginsburg, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, you're funny. I love an inside joke. Yeah. Well, Explant is uh, streaming now on Paramount Plus. So go see it. It's really a fantastic documentary, if I do say so myself. Well, actually, I do say so myself because I had very little to do with it other than just make sure it got done. But Jeremy Simmons did a fantastic job directing and you, Michelle, in it are Stella. And um, yeah, it's got some really shocking things in it. Uh, let's go on to number helps. nine. Stick around, Michelle, right? Even yeah, though there's less of you now, please stick around. Don't float away. I will. Number nine, James. Number nine. Number nine. Um, very quickly, I finally watched Dune last night. Mm. I had not seen it yet. And um, I was really underwhelmed. I was very disappointed. I was sad. I am, I saw it at home. I got it on Fandango. I, I imagine maybe if you go to an IMAX theater with 3D, mm. everything, it's all about the sound is what I understand. But this storyline just had no forward momentum there was no there was no investment in any of the characters i love timothy chalamet i love him i love him i love him zendaya was on it for three seconds 
<laughs> and Jason Momoa executes a button, but what does he do? I mean, but the story of Dune is is a cinematic expanse. It's not really a a story story in a Star Wars sense, is it? It's no, not. That, a... That's just, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek have this sort of zippy self awareness about it, and they have these moments of levity, and they have these great characters that you love, 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 and become obsessed with. I didn't give a fuck about any of these people. Not one of them spoke to me and not, not, I wasn't invested in the story of looking for the spice. I don't, I mean, even a, even if it was a good drug story, like I couldn't, I was not like invested in wanting the spice. I just, I don't, and, and yes, <laughs> and the problem was, is that I was watching it at two o'clock in the morning and it, I, every time, you know, these big clanging sounds and the booms and the grinding and all that stuff, I had to turn the volume way down so I wouldn't wake the neighbors up. So I missed out on that sort of oral experience that everyone talks about how great it is. Fenton, you loved it, right? Well, it, it's an eargasm. It definitely, the sound surrounds you and it's like, monsters sort of farting and it's it's like you are immersed it's a sound bath actually i think that's fair to say and i think the sets are exquisite and then not much happens really nothing um, happens nothing happens and i was like the it, first one it's kind of like david lynch's one it's very similar you know i was i wanted it to be you know i wanted the the costuming i love the idea of sort of uh space age medieval garb like everyone is sort of like sort of in this like sort of um you know new agey me- uh, medieval robes here's my really unhelpful input on this story is i'm just not a big fan with some rare exceptions of movies set in the future i feel like no one's come up with a really smart take in the future in a long time like transport we've done it all and so it's always tell me if it's different in dune i don't know dune i've never seen dune i never watched dune but it's always like star wars is so dusty and dirty if the future's like that i don't want to be in the future it's like you know it's cramped on the star trek i want like i don't know i want it to be like a nice mall in a really good neighborhood that's what i want the future to be like well you aren't gonna get that in dune (laughs) me too I, so I just, I, I was very sad. I really went into it wanting to love it, and I did not. All right. So it's a thumbs down from you on June. Yeah. Keeping in this theme, Tom, actually, I'm going to talk at number eight. Number eight. To boldly go. I just literally got back from the Skirball Center over on the west side. Yes, I read about this. An amazing Star Trek exhibition. Mm. And, I mean... I remember as a kid watching Star Trek, like 1966, so I'm carbon dating myself here. You know, it wasn't a big hit when Star Trek came out. And, and like you say, it was a little cramped and did feel like people were just sitting around watching TV. But as my guide told me at the exhibition today, this was the height of the civil rights movement. And this was the first multicultural cast. They had out. a woman second in command on the deck, a black woman. On the deck, Lieutenant It was Uhuru. the first interracial kiss. They me. had an Asian. They had a Scottish man. A gay Asian. A uh. gay Asian. Oh, my God. They had a Scots. And, of course, they had Spock, who was a human without emotion. Yes. So it was this extraordinary... Kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> and Spock was also, also multiracial, too. Yes. He was from a mixed marriage, yeah. And 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 but this also I didn't ever realize is that 
it was about this group of diverse people. Instead of fighting and killing one another, they were going through space doing good. And every single episode had a values-based mission, which apparently was the original idea and still persists to this day in what is, I think, perhaps the largest franchise ever born on television ever. I definitely buy Star Trek more than Star Wars. Star Trek's right up there. I've enjoyed some of the movies. I, I, because of my age and watching the repeats of my brother, my, you know, we had one TV, so we'd all fight for it. My brother was oldest. He'd always win. He'd say, I've never seen the Star Trek before. They were in repeats and uh, syndication. And then the last moment of the show, he would say the line Spock said right before he said it, just to prove to me that he'd seen it before. Okay. I, I, I've well, left that go. I had the crush on Captain Kirk and I used to have my Captain Kirk oh, and Cher dolls. I was so in love. And my so mother in love. used to no. Did I you hear my story, James St. James? Did you even hear what I said? Wait, what? <laughs> my Captain Kirk doll and my Cher dolls would be naked 69ing and my mother would find them all the time. And she'd come in there and she'd take them off and put them the right way and I'd... <laughs> That's, you know, um, there's a great story about Nichelle Nichols who played Lieutenant Ohura and uh-huh. she was going to quit after the first season because she said that she wasn't doing enough and Martin Luther King called her and said, spoke to her and said, no, this is an important moment for, for, you know, black rights for a, a black woman to be on camera, being an equal, you know, being on, you know, da, da, da. and so she stayed on the show because of Dr. Martin Luther King. Wow. I wanted to share one more thing, which is, you know, the, the live long and prosper, the Vulcan greeting. Yes. Do you know where that comes from? No. I, Mark for Mark. It's Jewish. So what? Leonard Nimoy was on the set and Gene Roddenberry said, we need a Vulcan greeting, come up with one. And he went, live long and prosper. And the backstory is that when Spock, Spock is Jewish in real life, Leonard Nimoy is Jewish, he went to the synagogue and he saw the priests blessing the congregation. And what well, they actually do, the priests, they actually put both hands up. Um, I, can't, I can't even do the Vulcan greeting, so that shows... Rabbis, rabbis. both hands up, and this is the letter Shin, and the letter Shin is the first letter of Shaddai, which is one of the names given to G-O-D, and you're not supposed to say the name G-O-D, right? And for that reason, when the priests do this blessing, you have to turn away or cover your eyes. But as a little boy, Leonard Nimoy looked, and that's where he got the idea for the Vulcan greeting. Isn't that amazing? I mean... You had a good tour. Well, you were you were impressed. I, I am high on it. Live long and prosper. I mean, and what a great what a great thing. I mean, fifty five years it's been on the air. Fifty five years in the movies and the series and the one. Some of the movies were really good. I mean, the Patrick Stewart ones were really really good. I liked all of them. Right. Um, should we take a break? Let's do. Oh, let me give a quick plug. Watch Michelle Visage along with Graham Norton, Trixie Mattel, Vanessa Williams on. Queen of the Universe. Streaming Queen of the Universe! On... <laughs> Streaming on Paramount Plus, along with Michelle Visage's documentary about breast implant illness, Explant. Well done. Paramount Plus, the plus is for Michelle Visage. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in the UK. <laughs> it's coming next year. Well, I've got a question. You'll never guess what natural resource is in high demand right now because of its scarcity. Cream cheese. Well, 
All right, well, we'll have the answer for you right after the break. You're watching The Row Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton, here with James St. James, Tom Campbell, and our very special guest, star of the new documentary streaming on Paramount Plus, X Plant. It's Michelle Visage. Oh, hi. All hail the oh, queen. Hi. Oh, go on, Tom. All right. Well, I had a question before the break. I asked, what natural resource is in high demand because of its scarcity right now? What are we at a shortage for? I thought Joy. Was- Joy, that is correct. I thought it was aluminum. That's what I heard on the news. Rolls of quarters. I know that's I- not a natural resource, but you can't get them. But because of aluminum, we can't have beers having a shortage. Sodas are having a shortage because of the aluminum. Oh, because well, of the cans? That may, that may be true, but I heard on NPR today that it was manure, like natural manure. I, there is so much shit floating around that just go to Washington, D.C. Well, they the reason to my backyard. Well, the reason is because all of the ships are out in, you know, the Long Beach Harbor and they have chemical fertilizer on them. So everyone is using the real thing, and now we're running out of it. So, so we need those ships to to drop off their shit. Right? We need the exactly. ships to move yeah. the shit. Ship shits, ship shits. Hashtag ship shits. I dated him in high school. <laughs> oh, did he was cool with shits. Yeah. <laughs> we are counting down the top ten things that make us go poo, and we've reached number seven. Number seven. Okay. I have nothing but trash to talk about this week. It's And I'm going to talk trash, not really, about Ben Affleck. And I'm actually going to come to Ben Affleck's um, defense a little bit because Ben Affleck, in an interview with Howard Stern, was sort of off guard and talking about his life and his alcoholism. He said if he were still married to Jennifer Garner, he'd still be drinking because he was in such a bad marriage. Well, the internet, which is a friend of mine, the internet went crazy saying, because we all know the optics, right? That Jennifer Garner was there for him when he was messy. She picked him up. She, you know, and does anybody next to Michelle Visage have as spotless an, a reputation as Jennifer Garner? Like, does people just. Oh, she is 13 wrong. going on 30, clean as a whistle. She farmed. Instagram, yeah. It did sort of seem like he threw her under the bus, right? That was sort of the. the- yes, that, that he should be celebrating her and and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But I'm just surprised that anybody today who does a Howard Stern interview isn't canceled. Do you know what I mean? Because like, it's like we live in an age where you can't really have, I'm sure this show will come back to haunt me. What I'm saying right now will get me canceled. Um, I, I have, I'm sure I have lost many future gigs because but, of the things I have said on no, this. We're blessed because no one watches or listens. So I know, but someone's going to find it. Someone's going to be Googling Michelle Visage, click on this and be like, Tom Campbell, you're canceled. Well, I will say this. I'm a Howard Stern P1. I listen. Yep. I have listened my whole life, all my radio career. He's been like my it. Yep. Um, he, nobody, I'm telling you, I'm going to go on the record saying he's probably the best interviewer we have right now, um, hands down across the board. And I think people do trust him, believe it or not. I think women tend to trust him less. But there is a sense of um, comfort when Howard interviews you. He puts you at ease, even though you know you shouldn't let that drop. So I think... 
I, no, I agree with you. I just right. think the age of being able to let your guard down, to process oh. things out loud, because even if in context on Howard Stern, it's okay, the press will pick it, Correct. dissect it, but cut it, put it next to a picture, and create this really false negative. That's what uh, happened. You know, and that's, that's what happened. Right. But I think it's happening everywhere. I'm just picking on the Ben Affleck thing because I don't care that much about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. But, you know, like they can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. God bless them. Let me just say this, though. 25 years into his career, shouldn't Ben Affleck have the the, – be attuned to not say things like that that are going to get him into deep duty? Sometimes – but sometimes you just – he wasn't – sometimes you just talk and just like Tom said – Things will be isolated and taken out of context and put yeah. in the way that they need it to, to do a salacious headline. Maybe just the marriage wasn't happening. He's not blaming her. He's just saying he was so unhappy that he turned to drink, not because Jennifer was such a horrible person. Or horrible right, right. Because they know beautifully now. Well, I'm not I, coming I, from a judgy point of view. I drink and I'm God knows I'm always looking for reasons to not drink. <laughs> And one of the things I read from time to time, because Medium has decided that I need to stop drinking. And so all the articles that show up in Medium are like, if you're an alcoholic, etc. But anyway, one of the things I learn and occasionally looking at one of these articles. I'm learning things about you right and left right now. Is, is that you'll always make excuses for drinking. And sorry, it's no excuse. Like, she is not the reason why he was drinking. Right. Right. Not calling him out, just saying. And I don't know, again, if that was his intent. And so I'm bringing this up because everyone's talking about it, but I'm also bringing it up from this, that behind the scenes kind of thought of like, you really can't have, you have to have a, so so we're just going to get more and more coded, not coded, but, but, Sort of like press releases. No one's going to feel free to oh, really. Yeah, you aren't going to get real emotions and yeah. real conversations anymore because everyone's going to be so terrified. But the yeah. best thing, the best thing that came from this, and I'll end with this, is just that somebody writing about it wrote um, something that uh, uh, shared a quote from Nora Ephron. Are you ready? Love. Never yeah. marry a man you wouldn't want to be divorced from. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's good, right? Drop mic. Drop oh mic. Oh my god, that's like a whole new first date conversation to have. It's like, now let's imagine we're divorced and you hate me. What would you say about me? What would you do? Would you go on Howard Stern? Oh, that anyway. is so true. All right, let's move on to number six, James. Number six. Breaking news. Caitlyn Jenner was denied entrance into the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel in Los Angeles, and she was furious and went on a Twitter rant about it. When I tell you that the entitlement and relentless brattiness of this woman drives me berserk, I cannot stress enough what a first world problem this is she was denied entrance because she had a rip in her jeans and she says she's been going to the polo lounge for decades now if you go to the polo lounge there is a sign right there that you see as you walk in that says no casual hats no ripped denim no crop tops 
no shorts, no swimwear, no flip flops or track suits. Sounds but like you can wear leopard. You can wear a leopard skin, Michelle. Just letting. Oh, you know. then I'm in. Great. Okay, sorry. But, Go keep going. But you know, ripped but, denim could be expensive these days. All the designers. But it do. doesn't matter if it yeah. says no ripped denim. You don't wear ripped denim. That's I mean, it. she. You she been, said it was a tiny hole. A tiny hole. No, and then no, not what I heard. <laughs> It's a it's a rip. It was a it was a strategically placed rip. We all know what that that what that is. But she arrived with a camera crew. They denied her entrance. And first of all, you don't do, you, there's a no camera rule at the polo. Why is she well. Well, showing up with a camera crew? Isn't the because reality? she's Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah, but and that's done. And if you remember this time three months ago, she was miffed because there were homeless people by her private jet hanger and it made her depressed to look at them. And that's why she decided to run for the governorship because she wanted to get rid of the homeless people that were making her depressed. And it's like, would this woman just stop with her, like with her just, (laughs) I know her outrage and, and people are pointing out that, you know, the Beverly Hills hotel is owned by the Sultan. Well, I was going to say it's the Sultan of Brunei and the, oh. it, the, in the country of Brunei is punishable by death to be homosexual. So why the hell is an LGBTQ icon and speaker of the trans community going? She's not upset the- about that. She's not upset about that. She's, She's not upset, upset about that. that. That well, her, if you're that a lesbian, you only get a hundred lashes. So she went there if you're a gay man, you get Chick-fil-A was there. closed. It was Sunday. I just I just find her reprehensible. I find her every day is a new disappointment with with, with Caitlyn Jenner. And exactly. And to have that platform, to have that power, yeah. and to use it to complain about not getting into the poll lounge. It's so to- it's it's awful, awful, it's awful. Beyond tone deaf. It is just it's it's beyond let them eat cake. It the, this woman is just the shallowest, most facile woman on the James, planet. James, you should be saving this for our Bar Humbug Edition, which is coming up next week. <laughs> a special Bar Humbug Edition. This no, I'm preview. sorry. Just, it, she really just, she really, really is the one person that gets under my skin with her. Oh, just right. with her. Pick your fights, and that's not one of them to have publicly, I say. All right, number five. Okay. Michelle. Number five. You are the queen of all musicals. Mm-hmm. Have you seen West Side Story? I did a countdown on Twitter, and yeah, then my daughter calls me on the ninth, which was the day before it opened, and said, "Mom, I'll be home on the nineteenth. Can you please wait for me to see West Side Story? Because we go see a musical every year on Christmas Day. So I am being a good mother, and I am not going to see it until it's driving you crazy. You have no idea. Can I tell you why?" West Side Story, it's impo- It's the gay Sophie's Choice trying to pick a favorite musical from a person like me. <laughs> but West Side Story had the greatest impact because it was the very first musical I ever heard. I ever found the record in my basement. That's how I got into musicals. I listened from the, you know, from the beginning to the, from the overture to the finale. I know every word. I know every part. It has the most impact on me. Also Sondheim and Bernstein, like the best of the best, Jerome Robbins, um, so for me, it's killing me softly to not have seen it 10 times by now. But there's a place for us. That song, every single time, I will just sob. I, I cannot wait to hear it. I haven't seen the musical yet either. 
But I, I just it. know that when they break into that, I will be amazed. Just the commercial when they show it on the big screen, that just I just I'm sobbing. It looks so amazing. Happy to hear that a trans person is playing anybody's. I was concerned about what they were going to do with that casting. Um, uh, a trans non-binary person. I'm not sure who it is exactly, but w all I know is that um, casting was done appropriately and, you know, they're not painting. I haven't seen it either. And maybe, and have you seen it, Fenton? I have not seen it, but does it need to be remade? I mean, is that... Well, here, herein lies the problem. It has not performed well in its first... I know. You know, weekends because but, uh, us old people <laughs> who want to go see it are questioning a it doesn't need to be remade which people are saying did a really good job um some people made the mistake of having children and they're waiting to see them with with those children That's <laughs> and and um and i i do think I, I will see it over the holidays can we make a pact that we'll all see it over the holidays definitely definitely but Try you know i do think that the, in this time of of COVID, I don't think we can use the same metric of of score of of judging movie numbers the same way. And I do think it would have benefited putting it on a streaming platform on HBO Max Agreed. or wherever it was. Co sign, agree. Same thing with House. Yeah, of but I don't think it's like in the Heights too. I don't think you can say that it's a flop because it didn't it didn't perform the way that in the Heights was did. just too long. That was the problem within the Heights. It was too long. I know I've got a super gay feed, but if word of mouth means anything, I have only heard superlatives, the best things. I have only heard the best. The best. Story I have movie. heard really. I can't this wait. This to is, this be is, continued, the debate over West Side Story. We're going to take a quick break. I just have to tell you, Getting Curious is a new show from World of Wonder with the Queer Eye star, Jonathan Van Ness. In each episode, it's based on his podcast. Uh, in each episode, he dives into a question that makes him curious. Um, the show will debut on Netflix in January. Blake, do you have a question for us? Well, um, I have a little product placement. Um, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day and I came across this really hot guy with an ad on Facebook for a massage and his name, I'll tell you when Wait, we come you're back. Giving, you're giving a rent boy. You're <laughs> what is the name of the massage parlor? We'll be right after the break. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. Was it James St. James? You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom, Blake, and our super duper special guest, Michelle Visage. Yeah. Now, Blake, you had a really interesting. Yeah, I was I was trying to like play game and get this really hot uh, masseuse, masseuse guy that I saw on Facebook. Some product price spent. It it actually has to do with someone on this dais. His his um name on Instagram is at Michelle Massage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And Blake tagged me in it, and he had like in the beginning of the little moving ad, had these really long like five inch nails. And he's so hot. He has a beard, and he's in L.A. So um, he's a master calling himself the Shell Massage. Yes, yes. his name is Bonner <laughs> O'Hearn, LGBT friendly massage therapist in Central Los Angeles. 
Yes. I gotta go, you guys. I'll see you later. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. So Connor, we see you. <laughs> Do we get a discount if we bring Michelle Visage with us to our massage appointment? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Do do we get a happy ending? That's why I, I huh. is it that's what I'm no, we, we always have a happy ending. <laughs> we do. We do, especially when we get to number one. But meanwhile, we're at number four, counting down the top ten things that made us go wow this week. Number four, Blake. Number four. Have you guys heard of the Ken and Barbie killers? What? No. No. Tell us more. Well, it's from it's this couple from the early nineties in um Canada around Toronto. And the Ken and Barbie illusion, I don't know. I don't think they're that hot, but whatever. And fitness kind of reminded me of you because um a lot of the trial, not that way, because a lot of the trial has to it's like one of the first trials where they videotaped a lot of their crimes. And you're always talking about the future is televised, you know, and how everyone had a camera in their hands that kind of changed society. Well, their names are Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo. And um, the story goes, these rapes started around like 1986 in Scarborough, a suburb of Toronto. And the last one happens and this woman, the last victim gets a good look at the guy and she's like, He's a really handsome boy next door type, you know, be be on the lookout. At the same time, we're learning backstory about Paul and Carla. They're a very pretty couple who get married and they honeymoon and live their young, fabulous, big haired Canadian lives all while recording everything. Christmas 1990, Carla's younger sister, Tammy, tragically passes away. She's the youngest of the three and Carla's the oldest. She was allowed to have alcohol that night to, like, celebrate the holiday. She was 15. She was with family, you know. Well, she ends up choking on her own vomit after everyone had gone to bed. And she was staying up watching TV with the couple. Um, It was very tragic. The community was devastated. Everyone embraced the young couple. Around the same time, a girl named Leslie Mahan is abducted late at night after being locked out of her home, walking down the street. And... A couple of weeks later, a kayaker finds her body on a small lake. It's near the shore, um, and it was encased in cement blocks. And then very shortly after, another teen, Kristen French, was brazenly abducted and murdered as well. Well, eventually, Carla comes forward saying everything wasn't as it seems, and her husband was brutally abusing her at the time. He'd abducted, raped, and killed these young girls. And she was coming for because she wanted this bastard nailed. But Carla isn't as innocent as you think. She's just as heinous. And they had videoed the rape and torture of these girls. And you'll never guess the real story behind Tammy's death. And how Carla ends up only spending 12 years behind bars. And is out now living her life with a new name, a new love, and three kids in Quebec. Blake. When did you start working for Dateline NBC? When? <laughs> well, is this a documentary? What is this? Yeah, Where it's on Discovery Plus. It's a four part. And I've literally only told you about like the first episode. Wow. It, it ended up these tapes, though, like going back to what I said about like the future is televised and you saying that, like they ended up burning these tapes. And this was before the internet, you know, and everything. So, 
these girls, like no one would ever watch it. And these girls' families would never be able to like have to but deal they with did, other people. They did find the tapes, right? They found the tapes, but after the trial and the jurors, like only a select few had seen it because this was pre-internet, you know. Right. And they, the Canadian, the the crown decided to burn the tapes oh. so that they would never be seen by other people before. Okay, and I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make I a taste, tasteless, tasteless comment. They can reenact the tapes with a Ken and Barbie doll. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's on Discovery Plus. It's called Trixie Motel. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke, no. gentlemen. We love them. <laughs> But wait, like, what happened to the sister who choked on her vomit? Well, I'm not going to tell you. You have to watch it. Okay. Okay. Okay, one last question. Are the tapes in the series or not? You don't see any of the tapes, no. Oh, okay. Well, no one's going to watch that. Then. They okay. burned the. <laughs> no, they burned the tapes because they oh, didn't okay, want. Okay. The government burned the tapes. The well, government burned the tapes. Reenact them with stick figures. <laughs> Barbies and Ken. Barbies and Ken. Ken and Barbie. But, yeah. And um, but they live in a Bobby dream house. After, it's Ken and Bobby because he was called Ken. He no, looked like a Ken doll because they were just they looked like they were blonde and hot. Oh, and okay. yeah, Sorry. It, it's a way to get people to watch the special. Thank you, Blake. <laughs> that is a horrible story. Thank you, Blake. Moving on Merry to Christmas. number three. Merry Christmas, Blake. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Beautiful story. Number three. Coming out, Colton. I watched the first episode on Netflix so that you don't have to. Oh, tell us everything. You know, he's gotten so much negative publicity because he's a straight acting, cisgendered, white, celebrity, good looking gay man who seems to be monetizing his coming out story. And people are furious about that. And hate him for it and then there's this whole you know he was on the bachelor he was an nfl nfl player he was on the bachelor the bachelorette i don't know which one i don't watch any of was them. he yeah he was he was the virgin he was the virgin he on the bachelor no he's not an actor oh my god i'm confusing him with that he, um, he was I'm on the bachelorette and then he became the bachelor i believe yeah you're, you're thinking of colton haynes this is colton underwood Yes. Thank you. Yes. So Colton Underwood was an NFL player. He was on The Bachelor. What was it? The Bachelorette? Eventually. And then he became The Bachelor, The Virgin Bachelor. And then he became The Virgin Bachelor. Yes. And he ended up stalking one of the women on the show and had to get a restraining order. So there's all these red flags about how he might not be such a good person. And then he suddenly comes out on GMA, Good Morning America, and then Within ten minutes, he announces that he's got a Netflix deal to to about his coming out story, and it all seems very icky and gross. And you want to go into it hating him, but the thing is, I feel a butt coming, and it's a big butt. It is a big butt. He's not so much hateful. He's not this like duplicitous, narcissistic, like a, attention-seeking fame whore. He's just this clueless simpleton who never figured out his entire life who he was or what he was. And he just, it was sort of wandered around in a fog until all of a sudden at age 34 said, oh my God, I'm gay. And let's make, let's make a show about it. And so 
He goes around. Oh my and God, I'm gay. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gay. Are y'all making fun of me? No, it was my <laughs> Always. And you know, oh he's so he's so blandly good looking that it's <laughs> you you don't you just sort of look at this blob of blondness who is just clueless about life. And they've paired him with Gus Kenworthy, who I like. I think Gus Kenworthy is okay. But Gus Kenworthy just came out himself. And Why Gus Kenworthy. What do you mean they paired him with? They, they pair, they, he is his mentor. He is guiding like uncle into, type. Gay, into okay. gay Gus has been out for a while. Society. Gus has been out for a while. I'm very public about no, his game for, during the Olympics. For three years, two years, whatever. Don't give me that. He is not a, he is not the, the gay guru. I would rather have Nathan Lane, Harvey Firestein, Paul Rudnick, Michael Musto. I would rather have a real I would rather have Bianca or Trixie. Or Rip yeah. Taylor or Paul Lind. I love how she was very silent. Like she's just like on silent over the <laughs> I would just say this, because I, I, I don't want to watch it. And I think for all the reasons you're saying, but I think anybody's coming out story is is gonna have heart to it because it, it's like whether you did it when you were you didn't do it or you did it when you were 15 and you're brave or you did it when you were 58 and married and had three kids it's always there's always the risk of coming out or having people change their opinion well, about I, you I, I get all of that and i agree with you but the fact is we've seen white cisgendered straight right. acting pretty boys come right. out before i would rather see stories of of uh, i would rather see other stories of people of color of people i of- don't disagree with you and but maybe just maybe people from this bachelor nation who frighten me maybe they are as clueless as colton uh, you know straight people and will maybe we'll watch and maybe his story will resonate with them the well, way that somebody else might not I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting a silver lining. I I didn't think it needed to be made. I just, I feel like he's this sort of clueless, sad sack simpleton. Well, the algorithm at Netflix disagrees with you, James. (laughs) You mentioned Colton Haynes earlier, and I've told the story on the show before about how relentless I was about outing Colton Haynes when he was on Teen Wolf, and I, I knew that he had those the XY magazine pictures where he was making out with a boy. And I, we were threatened to be sued on the wow report. If we ran those pictures and I was curious about that. And I thought like, why is he, why is he going back into the closet? I didn't realize at the time that Colton's father or stepfather, I can't remember his father or stepfather committed suicide when he found out that Colton was gay and that that's why Colton was so traumatized by it that he never came out. And I realized at that point that I was projecting my needs onto him mm. and that he wasn't ready to come out. He yeah. he wasn't processed his trauma yet. Right. And so we these don't are all, know, these are all things know everyone's story. We these don't know everyone's story. You're absolutely oh, yeah. correct. All right. I love it. To be These are all things I learned in 12-step, and I was going to end that you're not supposed to – false evidence appearing real. And also, you can't judge your someone's outsides to your insides. Like, oh, you yeah, never exactly, know what's going exactly. on. Those are beautiful things. They're amazing. I'm going to needlepoint that on a pillow. It's well, like really good. You want to give up drinking, Fenton? We have a chair. We, we no, well, thank chair you. <laughs> 
I'll get back to you on that. There's a meeting. There's a meeting right now happening right after this show. We can all go to it. Number two. Number two. Who called who a Barbie doll from hell? Who said, I feel like I'm gay and have no gender? Feels on point. Who said that? Same person said that. Anne Rice said that. Bless her. Anne Rice passed away. I found myself reading this interview with her from 1995 in Rolling Stone. It's a long interview. They've just republished it. And it's so fascinating. I'm sure you guys have thought of this before and, and been there before, but Van Balestad, her first novel, published in 1976. I don't think I read it till the 80s, but I really loved it. And I loved Lestat, and I loved the whole vampire thing. And I think, yeah, I'm late to the party. I was like, oh, the, the vampire's kind of gay. That's kind of why I like it. And it, she said in this interview, I could talk about every aspect of being an outsider in their voice, speaking of the vampires. And it was extremely natural. That's what enchanted me. The idea of writing about vampires as outsiders. I was never interested in writing a vampire story from the point of view of the victim at all. And that is so, isn't that so brilliant? I mean, that's what she did to vampires. And and it was sort of coded, not coded, but it was the, it's the outsider voice. And the queer experience is to feel like an outsider. And I think, I, I'm sorry, I'm like, like, only ever articulating this now for the first time. So I'm probably going to end up on James's simpleton list. <laughs> hot, hot, but simple. <laughs> hot, but simple. <laughs> but she was well, so think- interesting. She was profoundly religious. And she came around to have a more, not nuanced, but a slightly more ambiguous feeling about spirituality. Um, in fact, she said, you know, why is this age so obsessed with near-death experiences and angels and gods? And why are movies showing people coming back from the dead over and over? So she was, she wondered if there was something there. But she she was fun. To, just what a fascinating life and what a fascinating person and what great books. And a best yeah. book, James, I don't know if you've read it. You've got to read it. Cry to Heaven. Uh, 1982, I think, came out. It was about Castrati. It's absolutely fabulous. Yeah, my, my experience with Anne Rice, obviously, I think the Vampire Chronicles came out like in the 70s, I think 1976 or something like that. Yeah. Right? We didn't get familiar with them until, at least for me, until probably the 90s. Um, but my first introduction to Anne Rice was under her pseudonym, and it was The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. Which oh, is- the Anne Rusha Fakel or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when I first got turned on to her and turned on in many, many ways. Um, a very homoerotic, wonderful series. I think it's a trilogy, but the first book is the best in my opinion. Um, and and when I started doing backstory on her and learning about her and how religious she was, the way she wrote, it all kind of makes sense in her awakening and, and her darkness and her love of New Orleans and, and all of this kind of makes sense. But if you've never read True Erotica and you think Fifty Shades of Grey is erotica, please read the claim uh, of Sleeping Beauty. Ha! It's yeah. not. And, and I think I've mentioned before that, um, you know, I, I love the vampire Lestat and I love, uh, you know, the interview with the vampire and Queen of the Damned. But I love the Witching Hour books too. I think the, the Mayfield witches, they are, I think they are so fun. Well, she it's said she a- didn't like writing them because she hated having to describe the torture and the evil and the burnings because she said that even though vampires suck blood, etc., she didn't really glory in the violence. 
just yeah just, no it's true it's true i mean it's all about the the homoeroticism and and the she loved that Mm. Well, anyway, condolences to her surviving son, Christopher Rice, and rest in perfection, Anne Rice, who died of a stroke December 11th. So sorry. Um, All right. We're going to take one last break. Uh, The Bitch Who Stole Christmas is a must-watch this holiday season, streaming right now on VH1 with a cable subscription. Um, When we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and um, Tom (laughs) and Blake and our special guest, Michelle Visage. Hi. Um, What's the number one thing that made us go wow this week, guys? Number one. For the first time in Wow Report history, number 10 and number one are very related because I want to go back to Michelle Visage. This is the year of Michelle Visage. This is the month of Michelle Visage. And this is the springboard for 2022 to bring huge, huger things to Michelle Visage. Thanks, Tom. I hope this is the Visage Palooza is what it is. Visage Palooza. Awesome drag race this year and and All-Stars. Thanks largely to you. Not the same without you. We have in the can season... uh, 14 yes. and all stars seven that are in the can and they start the season 14 starts in January. So hold, that's like around the corner. Hello. So good. It's so good. You know, right now on Paramount plus, not only X plants, your incredible documentary about your journey, getting your breast implant and, and the whole, all the, the botch science behind that. You also are starring in the aforementioned, the bitch who stole Christmas. You narrate the movie. Yeah. And, how fun. And you, and we had an incredible, Don Scardino was the director. He was an incredible, but no one, no one can direct Charo like Michelle Assange. <laughs> <laughs> Charo Wrangler. Yeah, it was, it was so good. You have to tell the story because Charo, Kim Petras interrupts Michelle while she's narrating this cheesy Hallmark movie. And that, that, that's most to be cheesy. And then, and then do you forget that she says, sit down, Kim Petras, let me finish what I'm doing, being very funny. And then halfway, another hour goes by and Charo breaks in. And what was so, Charo supposed to say? Charo had a dialogue. I had a dialogue back and forth with Charo. I say this, she says this, she's not, so we're start rehearsing. She's not doing any of her lines. So I'm waiting for my- It's outfit. one in the morning, by the way. It's one in the morning we're shooting this. So Char- it's up late for Charo. It's up late for Michelle. We're all doing the best we can. We're sweating balls in this little thing. <laughs> in the summer. 100 degree weather, and we've got a fire burning to make it look Christmassy. <laughs> I'm wearing three layers of clothes, dying all that hair. Anyway, Charo, the out cue is neighborhood. If I don't hear it, then it doesn't trigger my next line. She's just speaking in Spanish, saying all these things. I finally, I said, Charo, I don't care what you say. Whatever it is, end it with neighborhood. Now we're at rehearsal. So she goes, okay. Neighborhood. And I went, perfect. And that's exactly the scene that you think. And I'm like, no, you weren't in the neighborhood. I'm in a cabin in the middle of the goddamn mountains. Get down that to Kim Petras and let me finish the story. And she goes, okay. And that was, was she, and what is so perfect about that, just to add to it, is you're not in a mountain in the middle of a goddamn You're in a hobbit house yeah. somewhere in the valley, actually just down the road from where 
they filmed E.T. And like it, as Tom says, it's one in the morning. It's 100 degrees. The whole of L.A. is on fire. And there's a fire burning in the ground. I mean, the whole thing was just surreal. Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> the, only, the only detail to add is is that Charo did come wearing a Christmas, a Santa, Mrs. Santa, and hot pants and hot yeah. boots thing. So, and what you did so brilliantly, Michelle, and I mean this, is you allowed Charo to be Charo to improv her ass off, and also you know be part of the joke. It was just it just was was kismet. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie, and there are many funny scenes in the movie. Um, right. And so we're seeing. And the last thing, I just want a little bit of dirt because I know that for the second time we mentioned this at the beginning, you and Leah Delaria, is that your best friend? Leah Remini. <laughs> Leah Remini. I thought it was Leah Delaria. Very close to Leah Delaria. Yeah, yeah. Very I'm going to get those two confused. Now, very you similar. And Leah, we're, we're, we spent the week in New York doing yet another week of uh, filling two in. Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my God, time flies. Yeah, we, we uh, filled in for Wendy Williams, who, of course, is out getting herself healthy. Yes. And we her. have a rotating bullpen of hosts. And this time, Leah and I did two weeks. So the magic, you know, of doing the show, it's just the Leah and Michelle show. And, you know, we often talked, you know, a lot of fans are like, you're not doing hot topics. Stop talking about yourself. And it was like, guys, we're not doing hot topics because that is Wendy's brand. That is what Wendy does. Nobody can do it like Wendy. So we're there just to entertain you until Wendy gets healthy and comes back. So we yes. did what we had to do, but the magical part about it to be back in New York City at Christmas time and see the tree lit. And we went skating at Rockefeller Center and we got to walk. I got to bring my nephew to FAO Schwartz. All the things that you don't do when you live in New York. And your hubby was there. David was there. David came to visit. You know, and and he, I have listened. I've heard nothing but nothing but raves. People are calling and tweeting and on social media saying how fun you two are together. How wonderful it is to see these two strong female Aww. friends. And it's just, it's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's a it's very exciting, and I just I, I hope you guys get to do more things together because it's really a joy to watch you too. Thank you. Jamie. I always say to the, this to Michelle, but this is just the beginning. Yeah, yeah. thank you. But and I agree with James. I mean, the talk shows—it's a weird business. Talk shows—you yeah. know, only a few people get to do them, and and they're not even the hottest thing anymore. But there's something that there is a white space in the market. Pardon the expression, because there's no two best friends, two girlfriends sharing that you know. I think it's such a, a ripe thing. And I don't know if you have the time or want to do it, but I'm putting it out there that I want to see. Uh, you know, for me, Tom, it was like um, attitudes in my head and, and not. Yes, many that are listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the Linda Dano show. And I kept saying that as a reference when we pitched it, we pitched this show for years. And finally, you know, they, they, Deb Marv took a risk on us, the production company that does Wendy. Yeah. And they, they love us. So whatever happens from here, I don't know. But we, anybody listening, we have no interest in replacing Wendy. Wendy's show is Wendy's show. We have interest Absolutely. in doing our own thing separate from <laughs> Wendy's empire. There's room hey, for everybody. Hey, you know what Fenton always says to me? What? He always says, James, this is the end for you. <laughs> I have never said that in my life except for now, James. James, this is the end. James, oh. this is the end of the show. That's all <laughs> the end of the show. Thank you so much, James. I love you. Thank you so much, Tom. I love you too. And Michelle Visage, I love you humongously. And Blake, I love you, thank you too. Happy holidays. And next week, our special bar humbug show where James will damn things to hell because he hasn't 
He's been so positive on this show. <laughs> no, but I want to just—I want to wish you all a happy holidays. I love spending time with you all every yeah. weekend, and Michelle, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in forever. This is—I miss your face so time. much. And love yeah. to Blake. Love to Blake. Love, love you, Mike. Blake. Love to everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Ho ho. Happy ho. holidays, everybody.